This podcast is brought to you by the founders of Chabra Chai, an authentic and completely sugar-free chai tea company. This series, our theme will be inspiration. You don't have to save the world to be inspiring. And our friends are perfect examples of that, inspiring us every single day by being unapologetically themselves. Hi everyone and welcome back to the No Added Sugar podcast with Pratima, Ruby and myself Casey. Welcome back to our Story to Inspire series where we'll be chatting to people that we find are inspiring, have an interesting story to tell um, and we think that they should be shared. Today we are joined with our very, very dear friend Omani. Hi everyone. Hi. <laughs> Why are you going to show? I don't know. Um, we met Man's in first, well, Pratt and I went to uni with Amani and we met in first year and we got really close from one ACS event that we met you at. <laughs> the one of the few that we went to. Oh, yeah, I think that was the one and only one we went to. Um, yeah, That's all you we, needed. Yeah, mm. it wasn't for us. Anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, we met in first year, we hung out a lot, you were always at my flat. <laughs> Because you didn't like your flatmates. Yeah, uni was a very testing time, but Mm. I'm glad I went because it teaches you about like people and how to deal with difficult situations. Um, Taught me about life, as in Casey was there through some of the most like. I don't even know how to describe them. What time are you talking testing. about? Testing. The, testing. Oh, the, the example. Oh, uh, yeah, sure. The academic misconduct. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, I probably shouldn't be saying this, but it's not a secret because it was in my first year. But I was oh, literally in name. Casey's flat once when I got an email saying we're investigating you for academic misconduct. I was thinking, am I going to I court? I think we're watching how to get away with that. <laughs> literally or something. And then my mouth just dropped. I was like, Casey, I can't read the rest of the email. I'm going to need you to read it. <laughs> It's just they word it, and it's like you will be in court or whatever. How would they word it? It's very to have a um, legal body with you. Yeah, I was thinking, pardon. (laughs) I was like, what legal body? I'm not even probably going to tell my parents about this. (laughs) So then I was like, Case, read it to me because I can't. I thought actually, like I'm going to throw up. And Case is like, right, clearing her throat. Like let's (laughs) let's get the glasses on and really understand what they're trying to say. (laughs) And then yeah, so that was like first year, and that's when I was like, yeah, Case is a real one because. I literally could have never ever gone to anyone about that. I was so embarrassed as well because thinking, did I? It happens to the best of us. Yeah, it's easy to play trash. I knew your eyes were going to turn towards me. I was going to break all the time. I mean, mine happened when it actually counted in third year, and it was. 90% 90% no it was actually no it was fine it was 10% of my final grade but it was my third year module and it counted for 60% of my year so you know but we just look back but you laugh. recovered that yours is, yeah so it's about I how you met us I just need us all to understand so Pratt took me along <laughs> as her what is it what is it like you leave it leave don't yeah and you know I was looking really solemn because every trying time to, I hear this story I just die. I was trying to make a stand like we are so sorry this is a mistake <laughs> so I was looking like really sad as well I was just like this is not her this is not who she is and then they said they read out this passage and they were like this whole passage has been taken from Wikipedia <laughs> even a journal article I didn't and even paraphrase I just took it was, and it was a good like 30 seconds that she was reading for yeah and, and she was like you quoted this from Wilson 2010 this was in fact from <laughs> Wikipedia's page on Syria's bombing yeah oh, <laughs> and I was literally like it was like double kill because it was like I'm embarrassed in front of my teachers and I'm also embarrassed in front of my friends. <laughs> no one told you to bring case. I went by myself. I was like, I'm actually okay to do this. I was shaking. No, it was I was so scared. I was like heaving in tears. Yeah. You know when you like cry so much you can't like you're like gasping. Yeah. It was like that because I was like I thought they were going to give me a zero for the whole year and I was mm. like I've just fucked my entire th- like third year but and then we came out we had a good laugh went for a, went a skinny cappuccino yeah. <laughs> we got on with the day mm. and all as well anyway but back to Imani um yeah, you, yeah, uni. So, yeah, that's why uni was ch- challenging for me alone because I was like really struggling with my courses in the first semester. Then, to make things even worse, the people I was living with were like just not my caliber of. <laughs> what kind of caliber like, were they? Please. Firstly, I didn't realize how much hygiene was an important thing to me. <laughs> So, I've only ever lived with, like, two brothers. You'd think that, you know, you'd be exposed to, like... I've realised my brothers are very clean because, like, I want to call them these people, at least, but 
the way they were living was not very like you humane. Know, humane. As in, you'd let the bin overspill, and like it's like they were waiting. Like it was like a human experiment. Sometimes I feel like this is like a science experiment to see what point maggots are gonna actually enter our house. And it was a kitchen. It's not like you're leaving a communal bin or like the bin outside filthy you're, you're leaving it where we actually eat from so that was one experience and then um i think maybe three weeks into being at uni i was like mum you've got to come back down because like <laughs> and me and my mum this is one thing that i think uni helped with like it helped me with my relationship with my mum because my, i wasn't that close to my mum before going to uni all of a sudden you're my best friend as in you're counseling me because i was like if you don't get me in private accommodation, I actually will leave this place. Like, I got, spoke to my dad so many times about it as well. Like, can you get me, like... I think I told you guys about this at the time. I was like, I want to get, like, a... Um, what they call it? A again? studio. Yeah, studio. Yeah. And dad was like, have you seen the prices of it? I was like, but it's actually better. Like, I probably will do better in my course because I won't be thinking about the other things that shouldn't matter. Like, <laughs> literally. Or being scared to enter the kitchen because I don't know what state I'm going to find Wasn't there sick in. in your shower once? That's a, that was, yeah, probably oh, did you share a few bathroom? weeks ago. Shared a bathroom, right, shared a kitchen. Okay. There was no avoiding these work, people. Yeah. Unless I was in my room, like a bed sit, I wasn't <laughs> ever able to avoid them. So my mum came down once and she was like, okay, let's see what we can do. So my mum started sweeping our kitchen. I was like, mum, don't tidy up for these people. We have a cleaner that comes once every week. The minute she's gone, she used to give me like dirty looks and stuff. And I was thinking, I wish I could tell you that it's not actually me making this kitchen look like this it was the rest of them there were seven of us as well which oh, i think wow. yeah, was, it was so horrible literally because some people who I have the same, in the same it's, no, no, it's well huge like there's different types so there's like you get your own private bathroom which is what me and pratt had oh, okay, yeah because you, you yeah. guys had a nice living i had a little ensuite going yeah. on <laughs> <laughs> did you end up changing then no so the whole year you lived with i these? had to suck it up Okay. But then I was like practically bringing a sleeping bag to Casey's and be like, I'll make my dinner there. Like, sometimes, <laughs> literally, like okay. even if Casey wasn't home, I'd be knocking on the door like, let me in. Literally, I'd take it to my pajamas and I'd be like, right, I'm going over to Casey's. It'd only be to the point where I need to like actually go to bed. But then sometimes it was like, no, I'm not even going to go. I'll, if I if we had late starts, I'd be like, I'm staying around, sorry. Like, <laughs> Single bed. Literally suddled. <laughs> that's what I was like. But that's how you know that the situation was so mm. bad. Like at one point, when did it get really bad? I think um, this is when there was like an argument. Um, I think what happened? There's there so many times. Okay, so I lost a, quite a close friend of mine from secondary school um, in first year. And I found it really hard. Like, I went back to London for his funeral and stuff. And then when I came back, Pratt, Case and um, one of our, friend, one of our yeah. friends at the time all came round to see me. And then, like, because previously I'd said to my housemates, do you mind keeping it down during the week? Like, they always used to go out. Like, it's not Freshers' Week anymore. Like, you've got to start being considerate past that point, in my opinion, anyway. Like, you can't keep coming in at 3am and banging on the door and, like, being all stupid and drunk. Like, we've got lectures in the morning. So, anyway, I invited people. I, I don't even think I invited them. They just came to just see how I was getting on. Um, and then one particular housemate knocked on my door, like, Guys, it's 11pm, you need to leave. Oh no, it's 11.03 or something stupid, like, down to the minute. Like, you need to go because it's really loud. I was thinking, who are you to tell me who I'm allowed to have around? Like, what? Also, she knew the situation. She knew someone had passed away and you were, like, speaking to your friends and, like, we're consoling you. Mm. But you were But she was just trying it. to do, like, tit for tat, like, you've told me to be quiet for some occasions. At 3am? No. You know, it wasn't even 3am, it was literally before midnight. It was, no, it was say, as in you've told her at three AM. Yeah. Exactly, there's a complete this difference. Is different, yeah. Exactly, and it's not even like we're having like a drink up. We were literally like morning. Yeah. Well, I was anyway. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what her problem was, but that's when I realised you're a nasty piece of work. But mm. I would never have to talk to you after first year yeah, again. See you never again. Mm. And I, I'm going to be honest. Like I've done some wicked things in my time. <laughs> <laughs> I think I smashed a glass once. This is going to make me sound so bad. But I smashed a glass once, like it must have dropped. And I deliberately didn't sweep it up properly. <laughs> I deliberately didn't sweep it up properly because I knew this particular girl walked around barefoot. And I wanted to teach her a lesson. Like, <laughs> who told you? told you to not wear slippers like Kays would come round sometimes and be like how do you guys walk around barefoot because it's not you even like sick. <laughs> and you've got maggots on the floor too you're stepping in literally there. and there's seven of us like you're all stepping on this it was carpet as well so we don't even know what's buried deep within those 
particles on the floor, like at least with like laminate floor or something, like you could see if it's dirty visibly. With the carpet, you don't know what's actually been there. So she was like walking around where I heard her go, ow, what's from my room? And I had this really sadistic smile on my face. Oh my god. And that's when I realised this is not healthy. You're making me think of bad things. Like bad ways to <laughs> And I was like, yeah, yeah, well, you need to get yourself out of this environment because it's toxic. And weren't you singing once and she like... Oh, that was a different housemate. So oh. that was her little best friend. That, cause, because this is telling me that they, they were so well suited in that house that they didn't bother make friends out of the home. And I think that's why they were kind of distant with me because it was like, how dare you make friends with people who aren't living with you? Because hmm. they were all quite close. And I was like, they, they, they'd invite me out and be like, oh, no thanks. Like, no. <laughs> but they'd go out. So two of them got on really well and they were close friends and one girl who was I, I was actually friends with first because the rest of them hadn't arrived like I think I arrived on the Saturday and so did she and then everyone else came on the Sunday so I must have been singing once in my room and then there was like this online forum thing that's like anonymous like oh I can't remember what it said you guys remember it was about a bear or something what was that this guy? gorilla um, no it wasn't gorilla Chewbacca oh that's it <laughs> well, my house it sounds like, like Chewbacca which now that I I don't know I think about it it's actually smartly racist because when I googled I didn't know who Chewbacca was when I googled it I was like are you actually like trying to make some in like direct reference as well like because obviously we're not of the same origin so you saying that is mainly quite partly offensive but it's whatever but just, she said you sounded like Chewbacca yeah <laughs> maybe she because she knew that if she said looked I'd actually feel no type of way about bursting into your room that second <laughs> Then the, I think the final straw for me as well was once, because we had a group chat, I came home and there was like sick in the shower, like one of them, there was two showers and I was thinking, who on earth has done this? And then they've and done it, it and left it as well. And that makes my second question is, why don't you throw up in the bath? I mean, in the toilet, why is it in the bathroom where everyone else has to still use? And the cleaner wasn't coming for like another four days. And I know how dirty they are that they would never use their own initiative to clean it themselves. So I said, like, has someone been sick? And I took a picture of it. <laughs> and then the same girl that had the glass incident was like, even a retard could tell that that's not sick. And I was like, right. I locked myself in what my room. What is it then? I, I, either way, is, is that something that you want to shower amongst? Like, it's disgusting. It was so horrible. Who, what, you don't say that, like, retard. The retard is so politically incorrect. Yeah. So I just called my mum because I was like, I'm actually this close. I'm not a violent person, but this is what this place is driving me to do. Like, I, I started to change. Like, I was do, thinking and wanted to do some really, <laughs> unlike, not usual Dark. things. Yeah, things that are out of character for me. So my mum was like, you've got to just take yourself out of the situation. If there's ways of you not being there, go to the library. Like, just find other ways of, like, occupying yourself. So I did exactly that. And then I was mainly at Casey's or if I wasn't there. I'd be at the library or I'd do something, but I just never wanted to be in that house. That's actually so rude to say even a retard would know that's what I know. Like, what is it then? Like, And you're at university. Why the hell are you using such a It's an ambiguous She worked with kids as well. I feel like you're just so, like, consider your whole life. It just, like, is, like, an example of how, like, uni can be either a time where it's massively social or it can be the complete opposite and you feel really isolated Mm. and alone. Mm. Because it's a whole different environment where you're not, with your friends that you've grown up with, it's like, you're still meeting people, you're still getting to, you don't know these people that well, like. And you're forced to live with them, it's like a mm. jump. Like, even if it was people, like, when you were in school, you're kind of forced to get along with people in your class or whatever, but then you get that little um, um, escape when you go home. Yeah, you have it's to like, live with them. I'm actually coming back to you, I'm waking up to seeing you, like, it was really, really claustrophobic. But mm. I love second year, I, I, the best part of first year was actually the house hunting bit, because that was a bit where I was like, Hopefully. excited to get away yeah. from them first year was definitely the worst yeah. mm. when it shouldn't have been because everyone's like that's the year you have the most fun yeah but I feel like you're thrown into this environment with people that you just have to live with and then you feel some weird kind of way if you don't like love them but like mm. but then again it's like they're random people yeah, yeah. You find your real it's friends. like being on like a celebrity big brother or not celebrity like just big brother like any type of show where you're forced to get along with people but obviously the only difference is we're not on camera or something but I feel like at some point it's... You would have been hilarious on camera. Oh god. They probably <laughs> removed me from the house because I would have seen, been seen as a threat or something because at some point I was like there's this much stopping me from taking actions into my own hands. <laughs> Especially um, when everyone's telling you like having the best time at uni like oh my mm. god uni's sick 
it like makes you think about like am I having as good time as they are yeah I feel like we need to ask you about what you're doing right now your life beyond uni you said you were really interested and you've been trying to explore the the music industry mm-hmm. tell us a bit about what you're doing in that space sure so uh, since uni I graduated in what July 2017 and we're now in 2019 which is crazy because it's coming up to two years since two years graduation. have flown by it's and I'm trying to count the things that I've done but no I, I'm being silly but then you say that but then you think about it and you're like mm, Two years, like, I don't know. I, I think it's because maybe I'm quite ambitious in the sense that I know what I want to achieve mm. over a certain period of time. And if I haven't achieved that, like, even my 2019 list, I'm like, oh, my God, we're nearly three months in. What have I ticked off? Like, I'm very... I can be maybe a bit too over-ambitious sometimes when life doesn't always work like that. Like, things can come after, like, five years of grafting for one thing. But I just... Not that I want everything now, but I try and be quite, like, strategic in how I attain my goals but um yeah when I finished I went on to contact like every single radio station that I'd ever heard of or that had been of relevance and the funny thing is where I'm working out representing um Casey had sent me stuff like months before she was like Molly this would be something that interests mm. you like you should contact them and I was like yeah I did. didn't hear anything back so then I took things into my own hands I was like let me just contact their station manager because I'd seen like with a lot of other radio stations at the time that sometimes they say to contact the station manager directly rather than go to like the generic um contact address and on their website or whatever so I did that and I was like can you forward this to this person of interest um and then he got back to me straight away and he was like yeah sure do you want to come in this Friday for like a chat or whatever I was like oh great come in in." and then I went in and I was like how do I get involved and he was like what most people do is they like uh, allocate themselves to a show that's already existing as like a broadcast assistant so then um, he was like just listen to the show get a gist of the type of shows that you like and then see if the person has a broadcast assistant at the time um, the person I'm working on the show now didn't have one so I think I had a chat with her and she was like oh do you want to be my broadcast assistant and I was like yeah sure and then we just went from there. It was great because it's weird now that I don't see us as n- not knowing each other like before. Like it yeah. doesn't feel like we're just paired up. It feels like we're actually friends. And I, I like see, I meet up with her outside of radio now, and like we can actually have like a normal relationship. But it all started from just me wanting to like learn as much about radio as I could. Started at the station one breakfast, but now it's drive time from four till seven on a Tuesday. Tune in. Yeah. <laughs> 107.3 um, FM. So and what music is it? So it's varied. Our show plays a bit of drill, R&B, um, Bashman, Afrobeats. Sometimes you'll hear the odd house. So yeah, I got involved with Represent. And that was only one day a week. And I knew I still wanted to do like so much more. So I was contacting like so many people that I knew. Like um, I knew one lady that worked at the BBC prior to graduating and she'd given me so much advice and I was one of those people that like no matter how many times I applied to things I would just never get back I remember having a conversation with Casey in third year like because Casey was always going for interviews and I don't know it was good to see that you were so driven because it's played a huge part in like how successful you are now but I was focused on my dissertation in case I'll come back from like another interview or another assessment day and it was like oh my god I don't want to finish and not have at least had a test of like what it's like mm. to be in an interview setting or something. I didn't want to just throw myself into the deep end post-graduation. So I was applying to all of their like placements online and stuff like that. And I'd get to maybe like the uh, critical reasoning test and then I'd be like, thank you for your interest. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that generic email and I'd never hear from them again. Yeah, like I could probably memorise it. Unfortunately on this occasion, we're not get, able to give you... <laughs> Um, detailed, detailed feedback because of the high volume of applicants but we wish you the best in your future endeavours I was just like okay I get it so then I didn't even get that far <laughs> unfortunately, unfortunately. <laughs> at some points I was looking for the bit where they're like but we will bear you in mind or something but yeah so I was never good in that part so I realised for my sector in particular it was more about connections and I'd heard that a lot about like the media industry anyway so I was like you know what I hate nepotism but sometimes you've got to just make the most of what you've got so I used my contacts and then did uh, some like volunteering at a company um, who celebrate like fame achievements so people of black and ethnic minority backgrounds who are like doing well in their particular field so I was an editorial assistant for that 
And then when I was at their gala, um, which is in every Black History Month, so every October, I met Ronke Phillips, who was like the ITV correspondent for the past however many years. Um, and I was like to her, oh, like, I'd really love to work there and like maybe even do like a shadow day or whatever's on offer at the time and she was like yeah take my card and I was like oh my gosh like cherish this card like didn't lose it <laughs> and then emailed her I think the following morning because like I've always been told like networking events like you have to do it whilst you're still fresh on their memory Definitely. even if it's like just a line like hi um I met you last evening here's my CV attached and then follow up or whatever That's a good so tip. Yeah, so she got back to me like, oh, great for contacting me so promptly. Like, that's already, like, a great sign of a journalist and stuff. She was like, I'll definitely bear you in mind for future things. And I was thinking, oh, she's just saying that, like, everyone says that because they kind of have to. Like, maybe she didn't want to seem rude. And then, like, three months down the line, she was like, hi, Moni, I um, haven't forgotten you. There's actually an ITN open newsroom day if you want to come down. I was like, oh, my God, clearing my schedule. Like, have to make it available and I was so excited I was in the gym and I responded in the gym and I think I had like a typo in my email but I didn't realize <laughs> that there was someone cc'd in so she privately responded to the email like um hi Moni great that you're super keen to be on board just one thing to bear in mind because obviously um you know even though I know that you're quite an intelligent and intellectual girl the person that I've cc'd in might not necessarily think that you're the best, like, suited. I was thinking, oh, my goodness. Only me <laughs> would not wait till I'm home. Yeah, and I'm glad that she did it privately. She could have called me out, like, um, what? I didn't yeah. understand that last message, but she just... Did you mean... Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So I was like, oh, gosh, won't be doing that again. So everything I ever sent her past that point, I was, like, proofreading. Like, literally, I didn't even like sending it off my mobile. And I think around that time, Prince Harry and Meghan were visiting Represent because... Represent Radio is like a social enterprise, so it's supported by the Royal Foundation. And this was like not long after the time that Harry had proposed to Meghan. So there was like already a big hype around them anyway. And I was like, oh my gosh, I want to be there on that day because like it would be such a great networking opportunity because literally every top broadcaster in the country was there to like um, film it. And then I think someone at ITM was like, oh yeah, we're actually doing a special programme on Harry and Meghan. I was like, well, I met them when they came to represent. They were like, oh, then you'd be perfect to like be on our research team if you are involved. I was like, yes. And at the time I was working in the pub and I actually hated it. Like this research job for ITM, it's going to be paid. It's going to be for like four weeks, she said. Well, it, initially it was actually meant to be a week, but she kept on extending it. So each time I was like, yes, this means another week away from like working in hospitality. And then I think she was like, do you know what? Do you want to work on the actual day of the wedding? And I was like, oh my gosh, that'll be amazing. Like, I want to go to Windsor. Like, it's not going to be like being a guest at the wedding, but it practically was because there was so much flexibility. I got to chaperone like um, Oswald Boating, for example, who's like a huge um, fashion designer and he was commentating on Megan's dress. So it exposed me to like such a high caliber of people, like like-minded people as well. Not just, I think it's always good to like, be around people who are doing way more than you because then you never lose like inspiration of where you want to go. So yeah, I worked on the Royal Wedding and then from there, I think the editor of the programme was like, oh, um, we're actually looking for freelance A&Es, which is an assistant news editor um, too. So maybe we'll be able to keep you on after the wedding. I was like, oh my gosh, like literally, God is answering my, all my prayers right now because... I wanted to, I didn't want to do the Royal Wedding and be like, oh, so you did it and you're still back sort of thing. Like, <laughs> I wanted it to be like, no, I've done it and now I get to hand in my resignation. So I did exactly that. I was like, let me just take a risk and leave, even though I'm freelance, and just hope that like the work's consistent so I won't ever need to go back to them anyway. And that actually happened because obviously the wedding was in, um, what? no, May or April. Yeah, April, sorry. And then that's around like holiday season anyway, when people start to gradually use up all their leave. So they always needed me in. And I was like working like so many hours. Like everyone would be like, oh my God, it's amazing that you're like working at ITV News. And I would be thinking, yeah, but I'm actually dying. Like I'm waking up at 4 a.m. Like I'd have a cab outside my house at like half four because obviously t uh, the transport's not running. So they'd offer you a car. And at first, like, oh, this is an amazing put. Like I get longer in bed. I'll do my makeup in the car. Like it's so glamorous. But then it was like, no, actually in the car, you need to be spending that time watching the last night's um, bulletins, like news bulletins, because they're going to want to know what we're planning for the day ahead. So it was like every break you get, it wasn't a real break. It was more like catch up time because unless I'm staying up until half 10 to watch the evening news, I'm gonna be kind of lost on what yesterday's breaking was, um, what further developments will come in the next day. So it was like, 
intense anyway but it taught me so much about life like I got to meet so many amazing people I got to do so many interviews when it did kind of come to an end because there wasn't as many shifts and they just thought that I needed more experience at like a smaller firm because it was intense for like an entry-level job to start like banging the middle with people who had been you know on training schemes or like had done like courses for years or started at smaller firms it taught me a lot and like I definitely there was some unglamorous it's like some people would message me like oh my gosh, how do I do this? Like, what you're doing is so amazing. Like, how have you done it? And I used to find it overwhelming because I'm thinking, I don't actually know what I'm doing. I might seem like I do. And this is a very, like, interesting thing with social media as well. I'm only going to post what I want to share with the world. I'm not going to be like, oh my gosh. So I went into work today and, like, I got in trouble by my line manager. Or I went into work today and I'm on a media course. I'm, like, literally failing everything. I'm never going to put that mm. on there. I'm only going to show you, like, the highlights of my life. But I think some people just don't understand that concept of social media and that, it captures the best parts of most people's life. Unless you're a very brutally honest person, you're going to be like, you know, I'm actually a bit depressed. Or And I don't think anyone particularly wants to always see that. They want to see, like, the happiest moments of your life. It's a bit of an escape. Yeah, and unless you're a celebrity, it's like, who... Unless you're spreading awareness and you're a celebrity. Yeah. Who, like, why are you posting? <laughs> exactly. And does anyone care? Like, I just don't think if I was to put that up there, people would be like, okay, like, that's good to know. Or maybe, like, people would reach out to me, like, is everything okay? <laughs> like, they don't... I don't think it's a thing where, like... I, I didn't feel like I was in a position anyway to start telling people, like, the negative parts of life. But maybe I was because people were seeing, like, the highlights and getting a bit, like, not depressed, but, like, thinking, oh, like, how do you, do you get it sorted so quickly? And it's like, I didn't. I'd posted that I'd, like, been to, like, some really cool events, but it's like, okay, that's not paying me. Like, I'm only going to put up things that are, like making me happy so I think okay January isn't too bad like think about that think about that but deep down I knew that this wasn't like ideal for me you know you kind of have to be really um determined to get what your long-term goal is because a lot of people would think oh you don't even get paid that much as a journalist like why do you want to do it but I think you've just got to know like if you love it or if you're like passionate about something money doesn't always come to into consideration it's like where you see yourself and you seem to really fit in the industry I think why we were quite keen to get you on the podcast is that not everyone's journey is like um so smooth sailing and they come out of uni they get the the dream job they're really successful and their story is interesting and it's it's bits of it are inspiring um but you're showing us another story which is like I don't, I'm not working great hours, but I'm doing something I love and I'm actually really good at it. And I may not have like had these moments in uni where I was like, oh my God, is this for me? I pushed through and now qualifications aren't everything. They gave me a good start. You're showing that a story that's worth sharing because you're so well suited to this industry. Yeah, thanks. Um, Sometimes I don't feel like that though, because I'm like, if that's the case, why am I not getting that permanent role? But I just think, especially with journalism and media in particular, there's not that many permanent roles. Like, if you go into something like Indeed or something, you're not going to see a permanent role for like researcher or presenter. Like, it's very much um, ad hoc work. Job or, to like, job. Exactly. Yeah. And referrals or like contacts. It's not quite the same. Um, I feel a lot of people going into that entry industry don't know that. Mm. So I think it's it's really good that you're quite open and honest about the struggles of freelancing the struggles of this industry you have to actually love it yeah it does sound like you've got like a lot of passion behind you that's driving it but obviously there's like down times when you don't really have much work or it's the long hours but then when you do get work you're doing amazing things like meeting well being at prince harry and Meghan's wedding which Mm. is obviously incredible and that those kind of highs are things that you might not get from like your everyday job um so, yeah, I think from what you said, it definitely sounds like if you want to freelance, then you really do need a lot of passion and know what you want to do, which is also really good that you have that because a lot of people just still struggling to find what it is that they're passionate about. Definitely. And I think with, um, like you said, the highs and the lows, I think people forget as well, like, you know, it's not for everyone in the sense that a normal, or I shouldn't say normal, but a traditional nine to five role gives you a lot more security in life. Like, um, Cyan Anderson, for example, she's like someone I looked up to. She's got something called the Cyan Anderson Show that she's running at the moment. Um, and it's like this um, thing feature called The Girls Talk, where she 
put on her social media like a few weeks ago, like anyone who's trying to get into like the media world or presenting, um, that doesn't usually do like joint sign up to things like this, like now's your chance sort of things. And they were just all giving us like their stories and their gateways into the industry. And I think it's so important to know that everyone's story is completely different. Like some people don't even go to uni. Some people start as like DJs and then transition into doing presenting and like there's so many different paths and even though I did a degree in social policy and sociology I think that still carries weight in that it taught me so much about like society. How important would you say social media is for your industry and getting further and succeeding? Um, I think social media is crucial for my industry like if you don't have like I went to one training program um, I represent and one, I'll never forget what one of the um, mentors was saying. She was like, if you don't have Twitter or Instagram, like, it can push you so far back. Like, even if you're not someone that doesn't take, like, doesn't take pictures of yourself, she was like, just take pictures and post it. She was like, you can take pictures, you know, maybe of architectural things or things you eat or just, like, having, like, a blog almost. She was like, because people look for like your social media handle as someone if you want to really be taken serious in this industry it's like okay we're living in a digital age you can't not have social media like it's there yeah. for our disposable disposal that's how people even know what you're doing or people are able to like interact with you like especially at some of these networking events i think taking numbers and even emails sometimes is quite a personal thing it's like they want to establish that distance and the best way to be like oh let me get you on socials mm -hmm. like that's a, even if it's linkedin like a professional forum it's just way better than getting someone's like contact number because I think that's very intrusive now I'd never ask someone for their contact number. You're using Instagram and Twitter as like a professional um part of your professional brand. Definitely okay. I think that's why I'm more conscious of the things I post now like for example when I went on holiday you know if it was my personal I don't really see my Instagram as like my family and friends forum anymore I've got mm -hmm. too many people on there that like I've met in like different scenario so now I, I'm conscious of everything I post has to be reflective of the brand I'm going to portray for presenting or the brand I'm going to portray for when I was like at ITN for example it has to be inclusive of that so I might post like the odd like bikini picture or something but in my head I'm always thinking actually would a future employer be conscious this? of yeah. that yeah so it's about finding that fine line and sometimes I've even thought to myself why don't I just make a separate one but it's like no because number one I'm conscious of the followers I have now so I don't want to lose a certain amount of followers because a lot of people do look at that as well. Do you find that that's quite intense because obviously for us we don't we're not in these kind of industries so social media twitter sorry I didn't mean to say social media I meant to say instagram twitter those kind of platforms for us that's just for us to enjoy a personal scroll before we go to bed but for you do you feel like it's like 24 7 you need to make sure you keep up with it and just make sure that you're on top of your game with it all the time definitely i think you guys might know of more of what it's like from your um chai business yeah account. that's what i was thinking but from your personal you've probably not got to worry about that you can just come off of it and like you said have the occasional scroll but mm. for me it's like if i haven't been on instagram in 24 hours like I'd actually probably have like a panic attack, like what's happening? Like obviously there's other ways, the traditional ways of knowing what's going on in the world, like picking up a newspaper or switching on the news. But I feel like because we live in such a digital age, the fastest way to know things now is actually through Instagram, even if it is breaking news. Like sometimes, you know, for example, if there was a fire on the high street or something, most people's first thing would be to take out their phone and record it and post mm -hmm. it. That's how even from what I've seen working in broadcasting, um, has been the quickest way to find out something. If I was going to contact someone about an incident that's happened, even if it's like a terror attack or something, most of the way I would get hold of someone is through their social media. It's true of brands as well. Like, say I wanted to contact, I wanted to complain about something, you would just take it them. to Twitter. Literally, like, and that's how I'm getting refunds. I'm getting vouchers <laughs> sent my way. But I definitely get that as well. Like with Chabrish Chai, I do feel like we. We are like we must upload. We need to keep because you need to keep that momentum. Yeah. You need to see like, as we said, what's new. But also, if you're not on there, someone else is filling that gap that mm. that you're not present. And so when I, you see those followers dip, it's like that we're losing momentum. Like yeah. something's happening here because people are losing we're interest in your enough. content. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Do you feel that like affects you mentally? Like, God, you're seeing the dip. People aren't interested. Now my career progression is halted. Like. <laughs> how what's that cycle like definitely i feel like 
social media can definitely affect your mental health if you're not careful. Like, thankfully, I've never been one of those people who care too much about, like, how I... Not that how, not superficially how I look, but I don't care too much about, like, followers and likes and stuff. Like, obviously, if I get, like, ten likes on a photo, I'm like, oh, my gosh, maybe that does need to be taken down. <laughs> but I wouldn't... I don't care too much to the extent where, like, it's going to start making me question, like, you know my appearance or little things like that but I'm hoping it never gets to that stage well maybe it's because you know I feel like I have more to offer than that like my Instagram isn't what's getting me paid at the moment but maybe if I was heavily relying on my Instagram then I'd be more like that or my Twitter right, okay. it's now time for our tea break segment which is where we ask our guests to tell us something that has inspired them or changed the way they uh, think about uh, life or behavior in some way so, Imani, would you like to share with us something that inspires you? Sure. So, the last thing that probably um, inspired me was I went to this Afrobeats artist, Tenny, show on Sunday. Um, and basically, she was just telling us about her journey as an artist and how this time two years ago, she was just like a college student. And now she's like one of the biggest Afrobeat artists to come out of Nigeria in the past like year. So... That and she said, all you need in life is like three things your belief, um, God, and determination. And I truly believe that those are qualities that I need to make sure I keep in my life because she said, no one can stop you from achieving what you want other than yourself. And I think that's true. Like, if you don't give up at something, then there should be nothing. Obviously, you're going to have obstacles in the way, but it's about like how you get up and recover from those setbacks. So, what did you guys think of the woman that was on this morning, Martina, a German woman that's adopted some features that you would call sort of traditionally black, and she's changed her appearance to look um, more black, so she's like changed her skin colour completely, she's gone from a white woman to a black woman, and I think she's had a nose job to try and make her nostrils wider, she's changed her hips... She's her hair is different. Everything about her is. She still doesn't look black, but she's trying to. It all sounds very painful. And it's sort of like, why? Like, why? What were your desires to do that? To be someone completely that you're not. It's like she's like fetishing. Fetishing. I actually don't understand. Like, I I I agree with Rube. Like, I actually want her to. As she said, like, what's your why? Like. Other than, like, waking up and being like, I feel black, what is her actual... I think she said that she thinks being black is beautiful. Oh, okay. Which is, obviously, admirable to say. Yeah, you can appreciate it, but you don't need to become it yourself. Is that, in 2019, that you think it's beautiful? In another 10 years' time, will it be beautiful to be white again and you have that choice to go back? Mm. A lot of people that are black will forever be black. Uh, everyone. Something. All of us. <laughs> exactly. Well, unless you black. Uh, yeah, let's be black. Or you try and alter your skin tone, but most of the time, once you're black or once you're a particular race, that's the race you've been, like, predestined to be. Like, you don't really yeah. have that choice. And it's also you want to aesthetically look black, but you don't want to take on um, sort of the struggle or any of, like, the issues that you might face it's with not being a minority. It's that you will never. Yeah. Because you're not, you're not mm. black. Has she spoken out about the microaggressions that she may face in the workplace? Or no. <laughs> um, the stereotypes that a black woman would face every single day? Like, I j- it's literally just... She just wants to pack her bags and move to Kenya. To be honest, I'm not even surprised by Martina. I'm just tired. Yeah. Like, I'm just so sick of this black fetishing argument and this like because it happens amongst women and we're seeing that a lot in pop culture as well but also it's happening a lot um with men being fetished as well so like um people desiring black men for, <laughs> the bbd yeah, for um their private parts and like <laughs> sexual pleasure and can't just use them you for can't use that parts. yeah you can't and and black men have a lot more to offer and I feel like if we just stereotype if it's not Mm. one stereotype it's another if it's not um links with like a gang culture it's that oh you know he's fine he's got a bit he's packing like for god's sake you have to fit in a certain box you can't just be yourself it has to be a certain 
mold that you have to fit. But we're not molding every other race. Yeah. And it's just so tiring. Like, how about we, you know, celebrate black achievements for a bit more? Like, or why don't you date that guy because he's the right fit for you? Why do you have to date him because he's like exciting and you know you just like the unknown as exactly. well exactly being with a black guy is is different to what you're used to like or it's forbidden like it's forbidden i wouldn't be allowed to go out with yeah it shouldn't be like that it should be like no you actually really like him and you want you see him being part of your future not as like that just that quick like yeah. relationship and it's actually it's like, seeing them as less than human usual type mm. yeah because you like see an experiment you know it's because you see them as like some sort of sexual gratification mm. thing rather than seeing them as a person like yeah this is a person that I would get along with or I could see a future with. You just... It's like using abuse. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like a checklist. Like, oh, tick that off before right. I get married. Because most of the time, I think when black men in particular are being fetishised, it's not someone that you see yourself marrying or even having that privilege of meeting your parents. It's just something that you do before you have to settle down to what you know, you a particular lifestyle that you know you want and that you may not necessarily be able to get with someone who's going to be forever experiencing a struggle, whether it be financially or um, in the workplace. So, yeah, like, I just think it's, like, short-term basis is... And it's whatever's in trend. It's at the moment that having a black other half or something is in, like, fashion. But as soon as that's out of fashion, it's going to be, like, very much, I think, back to traditional Do you think it will go out of fashion, though? Do you think that, like, this is something that will progress and move on to the next phase or something that will just get worse like people obviously wanting to actually become black like it it looks like rather than it going backwards and now it's all back to how it was it's like people taking the extra step like this martina woman you know what it is about her that is annoying as well it's because you take the stereotypes of what you think a black person would look like and then you've applied it to your body Mm -hmm. rather than this is let me just celebrate my natural body being black is not something that can you can go to a surgeon and and take. It's something that you will never you would never understand. Yeah. It's a re- it's a re- it's a person. Like, yeah. It's and innate. I think it's actually quite like sad to know that surgeons are offering that as a mm. like solution to people who feel like they are transracial because yeah, they the just fact see that, it as like money money maker exactly and the fact that they've even coined a term transracial. When I heard that, I was just like, are you being serious? Like everything's being like made politically correct to say but how is being transracial and identity crisis with your colour of your skin now socially acceptable I think still personally see that as a form of racism because at the end of the day if she decided to go back to being a Caucasian woman tomorrow she has that opportunity and no one else does. With transracial it's like there's a history of like culture and experiences that you go through just because of your race and like even things like food, like you can't suddenly change race. And physically as well. Those are biologically made things. No one who's born with uh, big noses have chosen for their nose to be like that. That's their genetic makeup. Yeah. So how can you now try and adapt yours because you think that's socially constructed? It's not. It's their genetic makeup. It's biology. Bottom line, when you're black, you can never not be black. Yeah. That's and and But when you're white, you can now be another race. And that's like the... like crux of this issue is that black people will never be able to be another race and like but white and this martina big woman feels as though she can jump from from race to race race, as if it's a game like it's not and you're picking and choosing like when it's trendy i'll not i don't know if she can but like i'll be an asian woman or when it's Mm. trendy i'll be white again i think that feeds into a larger issue on just how easy it is to class one's trends these days like I saw an article the other day and it was like big boobs are back and it's like okay great some of us had big boobs for a while (laughs) there's nothing we can do about it like thanks for telling us they're back like (laughs) it's true though and I think the fact that she thinks that her children are going to be genetically black as well is even more upsetting because it's like okay some black people actually have that concern every time they consider having children like do I really want to bring a child into this world when Mm. I know how they're being treated in this day and age but she thinks it's a joke like oh I can have a black son and he's going to go through everything that every other black mother worries about with having a son in this 
current society. I, I don't even think delusional. she's sure. I don't even she's think she's sure about that. Yeah. She has. She said she, her, she, her doctors reassured her that her children are going to be black. No, as in like... Her I doctors don't, have reassured her. But I don't see how that... Because she's getting so much melanin injected in her that it will be passed. She's not well. And I think also like... I don't think she's actually thought through what, to the extent of the what happened, what bringing up a black child means. Mm, what like, it encompasses. Yeah, it means um, telling your child that, you know, you always have to try 10 times harder than everyone else. Like, you have to be prepared that if you go out at night as a black boy, you know, you might look suspicious, you might get stopped by the police. Like, there's all these things that, like, you know, you have to raise a child to not have a chip on their shoulder and not feel like they're always second best, but also push them to excel. Like, it's it's not easy raising a black child. And you have to raise them, sorry, to be streetwise, because yeah. if not, they can be seen as a target to, like, other adolescents at the time. So it's... she. I don't think she's actually... She doesn't grasp the complexities of life at exactly. all. She's very delusional. She's just seen it as a um, very aesthetically pleasing kind of thing that she thinks she can get away with, looks-wise. Mm. Yeah, and it's not like changing religion or something, like... Race is something completely different. Mm. You can't just decide but to... I also think we live in an enabling society where we even talk about people like her and give her a platform. That's what it kind of, I think, encourages her sometimes to do more. Because if no one ever spoke about it or no one even did one story on it, I don't think she'd continue to try and be this mm. controversial figure. It's like we keep on giving like light to people who don't necessarily deserve it. But it's probably out of fascination and, like, curiosity that this is happening. But at the same time, I feel, like, if she didn't have this media back in, she wouldn't be able to tell us that, oh, I'm going to move to Kenya, I'm going to Haraza family. Because no one would care. What about showcase, using that time to showcase other achievements? Of, yeah, people of that are actually actual, achieving things, yeah, changing the world. Changing mm. the world. That would be more interesting. And also, just to jump back to the point on... Um, like black fetishing more broadly in terms of like stereotyping bits of, of, of black people. Um, there's also this like phenomenon, I guess, that we're seeing a lot now where it's like, oh, um, I want to um, have a baby with a black person because I want a cute mixed race child with cute curls in their hair. And it's like, this isn't like, Black people aren't tools. Like, it's like a weird way of like genetic engineering. Like you yeah. wanna, you wanna make a certain type of baby. So I'm gonna find the right person to. It's it's kind of like neo Nazi ish yeah. to be honest. Like you wanna genetically engineer someone Definitely. to look a certain way. And yeah. it's like they want that mixed race child because it will have all the great things that are associated with being black, yeah, but just it's not all too about much. How people, you just need to have more conversations about it because mm. certain influencers or certain celebrities will post things and not know how they're promoting this fetishization um but yeah in order to address that you need to be more mindful yeah or just like actually have more platforms to speak about this or have more people speaking about the fetishization of um black women or any kind of race really mm. um because i definitely what you see are like from the little bits on twitter or the little bits on instagram you don't see major discussions on on this and I don't think um like ignorance is an excuse anymore to be like oh but I didn't know that that was like wrong to do or wrong to say or anything because we've lived amongst a diverse society like if you're from London anyway I feel like you've been exposed to so many different cultures like London's one of the most diverse cities in the entire world there's no reason that you should be like oh like I didn't know your natural hair was like that or can I touch your natural hair like you know things that should be culturally appropriate to say and do now so you can't keep on going on like it's because you're not exposed to a particular thing that you behave in such a way because as you get older and educated you'll know what's culturally sensitive and I feel like there's enough written and enough aired on like big platforms now that you can't just yeah for example when there was a trend of going backpacking in Africa ticking off the list was for, for for example was taking a picture with a baby in your arm like I just found that so dehumanizing mm. already making me feel inferior to you because that person could be a, a long distance re- relation of mine so, I really feel yeah. very separated from you I feel like we're not on the same level playing field it's the white woman's burden mm. it's like I want to I want to help take a picture and then leave and I don't know what you've actually done to help them did you do anything long term to solve their any of the issues with the poverty maybe they were facing? Yeah. So the the school that you built was that 
was their builders helping you because are you a builder? <laughs> is that school still Because the next day the school has crumbled. Yeah. They are no, no longer receiving an education because you thought it would be good to make a school with your two bare hands. Like It's those same people that are posting, went to Africa this summer. Where? where? Africa <laughs> is a big place. And it's the same place. <laughs> going to Asia. Where? where? <laughs> because I'm really confused. Are you going to Thailand, Bali, Laos, China? Japan, India. Even where? within these places, it's so diverse. Yeah. Where in this country Literally, are you where going? Where in this country? Like, it's just, it just shows that you have no real regard for the different cultures and the different types of people that you find within a whole continent. And it's not to say that humanitarian development is bad or you there shouldn't be aid, but it's that you're going there just for, like image or you're going there for superficial reasons because you didn't originally want to help you've gone there for one week or so and you've built a toilet that hasn't helped anyone like recognize the ignorance sometimes you don't realize you're being ignorant but you just need to question um is what i believe has it been influenced by some sort of like racialization in some way or you just need to question your beliefs i think a little bit more and not just take everything you see yeah at face value yeah so that's a wrap for this episode of the no added sugar podcast with myself casey ruby and pratima and our amazing guest amani thank you so much for talking with us today thank you you. pleasure guys i hope um you guys as listeners can take away some things from amani in terms of paving your own path and kind of taking the highs with the lows um kind of the ups and downs of freelancing um the journalism industry and how to navigate your career within that it was really insightful speaking to you man so thank you if people do have any follow-up questions for you um or just want to pre or even listen to you um just on... pre don't pre follow <laughs> <laughs> and like exactly um on represent tuesdays drive time where can they find you etc etc so if you want to listen to my annoying voice then <laughs> i'm joking it's um, 107.3 FM um, DAB, so you can listen in your car. You can also listen to us online at www.represent.co.uk and personally, if you want to find me on Twitter, it's Amani A-M-A-N-I and then two more eyes, underscore XO and on Instagram, it's Mons M-A-R-N-S <laughs> underscore, <laughs> I can't even spell my name um, underscore, two underscores XO. Great. Um, yeah, thank you so much for listening to this episode of our Story to Inspire series. Please follow us on at No Added Sugar Podcast and like and subscribe on every single platform that we're on. Um, and we'd also love to hear about what inspires you. So you heard what inspires Amani. Um, do get in touch at noadedsugarpodcast at gmail.com or DM us on Instagram. Um, and then if you have any feedback for us, we're looking to improve and grow. So let us know. Okay, great. Bye. Bye. Bye.